welcome to Eve Reloaded. My name is Chenyu Bakarich. And I'm Becky Louie. And together we're imagining what tricks the serpent would be trying out on Eve if she were alive today. It has been a while since we got behind the microphones, but when this article crossed my screen, I texted Becky straight away and we were really keen to discuss it together. So let's get straight into it. Why a career is no match for motherhood is the provocative title of an opinion piece by Virginia Tapscott, which was published by The Australian. Virginia says she is a young, ambitious woman choosing kids over work. So I should say upfront that I am a mum and I do paid work outside the home. So this article really grabbed my attention. Um, Becky, what was your first reaction to reading the article? Yeah, so I was also a stay-at-home mum for seven years with three kids at home, but then I also went back to work this year. So I just read the title and I'm like, oh no, it's going to be about mums and working. And I just immediately felt stressed that... (laughs) I'm going to be judged for the decisions that I made. Mm. I didn't even know what she was going to say, but I was like, oh no, there's something about that topic that I just find it interesting. Yeah, I, I think the level of anxiety I felt was very interesting in that. I don't know. It's, is there something about the time that we live in of being constantly criticized, whatever you do? Mm. So I, I just kind of expect to be disagreed with. And I just thought that was an interesting feeling that I had to process and mm. give to Jesus. <laughs> mm. And you're, well, I was like trying to just read it almost like consuming it as much as I could because I was just like, what is she saying? What is she saying? What is she saying? Um, the title, I think, got me because it was um, why motherhood is no match for a career or something like that. And I thought it was to do with how you can't match the two together you know, kind of do both at the same time. But I think it's actually more like no match as in one is way better than the other. Yes. Yeah. Which like, I wouldn't disagree. Like I'd be like, I'm not against you uplifting the value of motherhood. I think I was actually expecting to agree with a lot with Mm. what she said. I just found it interesting that I was so. Had such an emotional reaction. Yeah. Yeah. So anxious reading it. Like, yeah, it was just interesting. I I think I'm probably going to agree with what you're going to say. So why do I feel so stressed? And when I'm reading going, are you going to judge me? (laughs) 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 I really value motherhood. (laughs) Okay. So in the article, Virginia writes, society doesn't seem to value my contribution on the investment of my time in the kids we brought into the world. Would you agree with that, that in general, society doesn't value the contributions of full, full stay-at-home mums? So I think this is a shift that we're seeing that she's representing of fighting back and saying uh, that our value is not in our economic payment. So she's calling out that lie saying, you know, your worth shouldn't be tied to how much you're bringing home. There's other things that are valuable. So I would agree with that, that she's saying these little people in her life that God has given her, whether she believes in God or not, but that these little people and what she does for them is really valuable. I'd agree with that. Um, But I I think at the same time that there's still buying into like our value and our worth is in what we do. So she's saying it's not just in our work. It's this other thing that has, has value, even though it has no economic value. It's this other work that we're doing. But I think as Christians, the difference is that we say, no, our value is not in what we do. It's in Christ. Mm. What is our value? What is our worth? It was paid with the precious blood of Christ. Mm. And so 
our relationship with work and our value, it we start with being loved first. We start with salvation. So Ephesians 2 says, saved by faith, mm. not from your works. But it goes on to, to say that God has prepared good works for us to do. So our worth is not in our works, but we're still interested in these good works, whether that is in society and economic careers or raising children. So I think that's the difference. Mm. Um, I think because as Christians, we have been countercultural for a while, saying children are a blessing, children are great, and society has been at some times been a bit anti-kid. So Christians are like, yeah, no, kids are good. So this was all over my Facebook. Christians were sharing it everywhere. And I think they're going, see, look, there's someone else who values children and they're not Bible bashing at the same time. I just, I thought it was interesting how interested people were in this. So this got shared like six or eight times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess the issue that Virginia raises is not that, you know, she doesn't feel inherently valued, but that society doesn't value the contribution. And she talks a little bit about, you know, the way our tax system is set up and even housing prices, things like that. Should society contribute to valuing this task, this good work? Well, I think what is best for society is when we do things God's ways. So it's when we value what God values is a good aim for society. And parental responsibility in the Bible is really important. Like she's going... Just putting them into childcare is not the same thing, parents. So she was really emphasizing um, parenting is really important. Not rushing them off to early early education is not the same was a point that she was making. And, you know, you might be feeling guilty now <laughs> if you sent your child to early education. But I think on the parent and what parenting looks like, that might include, I just want to say this now, that might include sending your child to childcare. For some of the time but the parenting responsibility of raising your children lies with the parent and Deuteronomy 6 it says love the Lord your God with all your heart and then in verse 6 these commandments that I give you today to be on your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up like the most important thing for our children as Christians is that we raise them to know God and so what that looks like is different. And that's what society needs. Society needs knowledge of God. And that should happen in our households. As if you're Christian and you have children there, then raising them to know him. And, and they're really valuable. And how do we help society value children? Like that's a good aim. It, it does somewhat. <laughs> but in other places where she identifies, it doesn't. Well, I think that's part of the paid work, the way that our society is structured. Like there's room for advocacy, there's room for policy, there's room for there's good works to be done at our work and good works to be done in raising our kids. And that's really valuable. Okay, I'm going to say this. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is gendered. Any bloke with a similar education and prospects would be applauded for making this choice. And also... On the other hand, nobody bats an eyelid when fathers of young young kids work around the clock. Why does this double standard exist? Um, that's a really interesting observation. After our first episode, I realised a lot of these questions were also coming from you reading Annabelle Crabbe's <laughs> book, The Wife Drought. <laughs> Highly recommend. <laughs> coming back to biblical principles, mm. men and women, 
Uh, Genesis 1.26 says humanity is made in God's image as male and female. So they're equal. They're equally valuable. They're co-heirs in Christ. There's no difference in value and worth. There are differences between men and women. And if you notice in Genesis 3.20, Eve is referred to as the mother of all living. So I think we can at least say there's biological differences between men and women that really affect this like Jesus recognizes this like in Luke 21 and also in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 when Jesus is talking about um, judgment on Jerusalem and when wartime comes he's like he says it's it would be really hard for pregnant women and nursing mothers and I always felt that when I was pregnant I was going I do not want to flee Mm. I would not want to flee if I was pregnant I would not want to flee with a newborn it is um, harder And the interesting thing, she goes, I was completely unprepared for this. So I'm like, oh, okay. Yes, feminism has a lot to answer for if you're expecting to be just like a man. Like, I think there is a problem when we say to women, you're just like men. But no, you have women's bodies. And when women... When women become mothers, it's very different from when men become fathers. Yeah, it's very different. And I'm not saying it's fair. Like, I think there is some problems with that in the expectations so i think things like not supporting young fathers and to say oh raising children is a mother's job i think the bible actually would push back against that and say no it's mothers and fathers and so part of this movement and i think annabelle crab goes it's not just like men should be able to get back at home when they have small children as well i'm like i'm for that i think the other thing this is gender stereotypes women are gentle and caring and the bible does actually pick up on that in 1 thessalonians 2 7 when paul is talking about his ministry to the thessalonians he says you know we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cares for her children so we cared for you so he identifies as this kind of gentleness that is required for nursing small infants and then he also says um, in verse 11 for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children encouraging comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God so it's interesting that the bible picks up on these observational differences between how mother's mother and father's father but at the same time it doesn't say like fathers you can never be gentle (laughs) and mothers because he's actually saying we poor like he was being like a mother and he's talking about ministry requiring you to be gentle like a mother but also encouraging and urging like a father and exhorting so we're not we're not guided by gender stereotypes of masculinity and femininity we're guided by what the bible says our character it should be which is like the holy spirit says the fruit of the spirit Virginia writes, I realized the beauty in the choice. I would have resented child rearing and keeping the house running if that was my only choice. And she later says, I can't count the number of times I've heard another mom say they went back to work because they became bored with looking after children and needed more simulation, stimulation. The implication is clear. Full-time child rearing is intellectually inferior. So I think this really spoke to me because I have heard this quite a lot of times and I wouldn't have expressed it quite like this I wouldn't have said I'm bored with my children or whatever but that thing about needing adult conversations needing bigger problems to solve or needing to contribute in a way that's beyond your household 
you know, there's a lot of things that I can really relate to. But I wouldn't have said then that being a full on mum is intellectually inferior. Yeah, I, I think she straw mans that a bit, maybe because she feels attacked, which is what often happens. Like she's captured something there. But I think also people are just different and what they like. I'm a big nerd and I nerded it out as a mother. Like I was reading long treatises on attachment theory and um, PhD stuff about experiments they did in kibbutz stuff where they had multiple primary caregivers and you know it that was intellectually stimulating there is a bit a part of it which some people enjoy it more than others but that shouldn't be your whole thing it's a fallen world things are hard and we have different gifts and it's not about our feelings it's not about our enjoyment it's our responsibility to raise these children um trying to do it in a way that is enjoyable for you is a wise thing to do so i think things like getting them into things that you're into is a is a wise thing because then you enjoy it and they enjoy it and they love you and they want to know what you love so part of going back to my job was going I think I need some help some of it is like oh you're just outsourcing to childcare. I think that's also insulting to some of the workers that we have in the early education child care center like they don't think oh it's just babysitting yeah working together to help develop their children now not everyone has access to childcare like this but I've met enough people who really care and love my kids and our, our youngest had a bit of speech stuff and I the intervention was parent training to help me change how I relate to him I'm like okay I can understand all the theory because I'm a big nerd but actually implementing is a whole other skill and so part of me taking responsibility for my family was I need help Um, I need help with developing certain routines and patterns and people say you do it but I'm like well I can do things better that aren't that and um that's also okay like i'm i'm not outsourcing responsibility but i'm delegating certain tasks and that's taking responsibility for raising your children the stimulating thing is some people are just gifted in other areas so sometimes being able to have some help so that you can go and do other good works i think this is where the galatians 5 says you my brothers and sisters were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge the indulge the flesh rather serve one another humbly in love so i would say all of this i think as christians we should be thinking thinking of it as good works raising your children are good works and doing work in society are good work and it's interesting the way that where our economic structure is is there are certain good works you can only do if you're paid for um to actually do those good works being part of the system is going to she she talks about career so i wouldn't say we're chasing career it's not about building your career it is being zealous for good works which could involve getting a profession could involve acquiring more skills could involve becoming a boss and supporting your employees in their child rearing and in their pursuit of doing good works so what would you say to a mum who reads this and goes well I do get quite bored looking after my kids, you know. Virginia even admits that hide-and-seek really loses its appeal after a certain age. At the same time, it's not about your feelings. Like, these children are dependent. The difference of the good work of raising your children compared to good works of being in society is 
you're their only mother or you're the only father that God has given them. And they really rely on you for that. Like no one else can replace that. Um, whereas someone else can replace you at your job outside. But it's, it's a very relational good work. Sometimes you have to put their interests before yours. But that's where I was saying you need to work at making it good. Like you can go, oh, hide and seek is boring. How can I make this more fun for me? <laughs> and that's a worth because my children don't want me to be bored. They're not asking. They, they want to play a game with me. They want to have fun. But it is more fun if I have fun. So sometimes you can fake it or other times you can change it so it's more fun for you. <laughs> In a way that it's fun for everyone. And as the as the adult where we have more experience and more ideas, then that responsibility falls on us to try and work at our parenting in a sustainable way. What about that notion of choice? She sort of says that I would have resented child rearing if it was my only choice. Do you think that's fair? I, th- I think even the fact that we have choice, I think we need to recognize that that is a gift. And so she's saying, you know, choice is a good thing. And in Proverbs 30, in the prayer of Agur, he says to the Lord, give me neither poverty or riches. Um, don't give me riches because I might forget you. Don't give me poverty so that I might steal. So th- I, I have a friend um, from Somalia. She's like my, my parents' age. And she was telling me about life for her mother back in the village in Somalia and when she was a baby her mother would work in the fields and wrap her on her back and they didn't have nappies so when she pooed her mother would get a stick and scrape the poo off her back and then if it's just wee then it would just run down her back and they only had baths every two weeks so the whole do I go to work or stay at home and look after my child not even a question for her (laughs) I think we have freedom which is um, because we have the riches and we have wealth and because we are the rich in this world. And the advice in 1 Timothy 6 is don't trust in your riches, but be rich in good works. So because we have choices, whether to go or stay home, make a good choice because you have a choice. <laughs> um, and the whole I would have resented child rearing and keeping their house running. I, th- I think even the whole resenting language is because so much of our society and our language is always about entitlement. I should be able to do this. I should be able to, I deserve this. Whereas the Christian life is thankfulness everywhere. Thankfulness for, and that thankfulness will lead you to joy and that will get you through no matter what your situation. If you don't have that, that choice, you have the Lord Jesus. So you, and that he's with you. So like that's a reflection on the attitude to parenting that we have that has, is, affects our resilience affects our ability to deal with i'm not enjoying this (laughs) and uh, yes i think there's a deeper issue here in terms of um, how are we being thankful just for all christians for every point of view not just parenting working studying everything and when you have entitlement you have resentment but christians are called to recognize everything as a gift from the giver and so we walk in thankfulness and we trust him when he decides not to give us something that we would like rather than and thinking that it's not something we deserve so I don't I don't resent him for not giving me children that sleep I didn't like that he didn't give me that Mm. (laughs) um the conversation around parenting we have to be mindful of not thinking about what we deserve (laughs) 
When we were talking about choice, you mentioned that, you know, being kind of in a first world situation, broadly middle class, we've got the choice, especially economically, about whether we stay home with our kids or go back to work. Virginia talks a little bit about this, but mentions about how there are lifelong wage penalties for women who have previously assumed unpaid caregiver roles. And I mean, that's something that factors in, looms big in my head when I think about, you know, how much time I'm I did take out of the workforce. If we think that, and we do, that, you know, staying home and doing child rearing is such a good and valuable thing, is it fair to ask women to shoulder this financial burden? Um, Virginia has highlighted uh, something that has been raised in a lot of ways, the particular vulnerability of women who do this. So I think one of the fastest growing homeless categories is women over the age of 55 who weren't working don't have much super were raising children and now they're homeless and I think scripture calls us to care that this is a real problem you know the bible has lots of provisions for orphans and widows who in those times were the most vulnerable so Deuteronomy 14 sets out a whole economic system for the is the people of Israel every three years everyone in Israel would set aside one-tenth of their entire earnings and bring it to a storehouse to provide for the Levite the foreigner the orphans and the widows so they did have a social care system and you know in the New Testament when James is talking about religion it says religion that God our father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress so we should care we should care individually and collectively so address this issue like it's a big issue is it fair no (laughs) is it a good thing no um can it be solved easily no it can't be solved easily like this is one of those good works that we need to be zealous about doing and it's probably going to be a multi-pronged thing of you know yeah I've seen lots of suggestions like being paid super when you're at home and having affordable housing and um, yeah, it it is really complicated, but um, we shouldn't shy away from that. Like I think we should be passionate about it, but I I don't have all the answers and I, but people are working on it and I think we go, Oh, good. (laughs) Good. Uh, If there's ways I can help, I'd like to being aware, you know, that's at the collective level. And if there are people in your life that are particularly vulnerable, so it's being aware of the needs of people that you know, but then aiming for systemic change would be great. You know, the systemic change will affect everyone, but organisations can help 20 people, 50 people, 100 people. We can personally help, I don't know, three or four people. We bring change at every level that we can. What would you say to a woman who's got a very young child and is considering if slash when they return to the workforce? There's just a lot of factors to consider. So (laughs) I would say, look, your responsibility is to raise your child to know Jesus, is to teach him his ways, to be on about his work. In this time that we live in, now that Jesus has come back, the work he's given to us in Matthew 28 is making disciples. So you've got to make your little one's disciples. Like They're right there. That's obvious that you'd be working on them. But it's still being concerned with the wider mission. And so how do you best do that? And there are some ways that you can do that when you're not working. Like you're free to go to play group. You're free to go to the mother's groups. You're free to help volunteer, do 
things like not going back to work so when when your child goes to school and a lot of christian mums i know continue to give their time but at the same time you can also go to work and there there is a goodness in working so you have something to share there's a good so there's a goodness in working and not being paid so that you can serve people who can't pay you the the, the principles are raise your children love your people tell people about jesus you know at center of that is like love god (laughs) and and so and you're free in how you do that and how he's made you and the talents that he's given you the opportunities that he's placed you in everyone has a different set and i think that's the exciting thing he's got a different plan and purpose for each of us we have different opportunities and we need to be supportive with each other and um, affirming what is a good motive so sometimes it's not even the actual decision it's your heart towards god you didn't mention though the wage penalty. Would you bring that up in a conversation? Or? Yeah. So thinking financially, that's part of the wisdom. Is how do you arrange your family's household income? But the thing with the the caregiving role is that, as you said, like the poverty might not make itself apparent until you're fifty five. Yeah. So you should consider that. <laughs> so I think we can say we can say, look, the system is unfair but still make the best decision as if the system is unfair because that's what we have. Mm. So if you're going, I would really like to give my time, but also I won't have enough groceries. I need to go back to work and earn money so that I can feed my family. And, and it's and you can think in 20 and 30 year periods. Like, and that's a very complicated, scary, scary topic is how are you going to live? But you've got to face it. And you can't, like, you can't just face it by going, wow, wow, it's unfair. Like it is unfair. Just saying that it's unfair is not going to change it. So Okay, so it's almost like just in a hypothetical example, a woman might choose to step out of the workforce for an extended number of years, knowing that that means you're probably never going to have a house deposit or something like that. Well, it might mean that you're delaying a house deposit. And we had to do that. So for us, it was like, and that was a cost that we decided to pay. And so it is a cost, but the Lord has provided for us. And that's the decision that we made. So it's worth keeping that in mind. And Jesus says, you know, count the cost, count the cost of following him, which is not, it's count the cost of following him. And there's the general principle of counting the cost of um, raising your children and go, I want to do this. But yes, I think we can say, look, the system is unfair. There are wage penalties, but that is a system. So can you afford it? And it is a good sacrifice, like being called to sacrifice and this world is broken and count count the costs with your eyes open and say, this is a sacrifice I choose to make. And so props to Virginia, like having four kids and looking after them. I'm like, it's great the lifelong penalties is not a great feature of our system if we can change it we can but it's also the system that we're in so we just have to take that into account in the decisions that we make and in one Thessalonians it says that you shouldn't no longer steal so you have work of your hands so you have something to share there is something good about having money so that you can share and bless others so that is a work that we should desire to have for the glory of God, not for the comfort and having lots of money and building our barns yeah. <laughs> and building a career. This is not about us. So that's the other thing. It's because, oh, you're behind in your career. Like you don't care. You should only care about your career in terms of what access does it give me to do good works? Mm, interesting. What about like as a kind of personal fulfillment? Our fulfillment is in Christ. 
What about as like you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's like, like using your talents well. Yeah, or like being authentic to yourself or something. Well, I think the authentic to self is your answering to yourself. I think the language of faithfulness captures better that we do it in relationship to God as stewards of what he's given to us. So I would say it's the whole realizing your full potential, not for yourself. And because people say you owe it to yourself. I'm like That was given to you by someone who was expecting something. So you owe it to God, which is actually a little bit of a higher standard than owing it to yourself. Because at any point you're going, oh, self, you just relax. But, <laughs> but like, yeah, like Jesus tells that story of like in two different plays of, you know, the one who's given five, the one who's given two, and the one who's given one. And the one who has five goes and makes ten. And the one who has two goes and makes four. And the one who has one goes and buries it in the sand. And Jesus is not happy. <laughs> But the one who made five had five to begin with. But it's he's given our talents to use for his glory. So the career works in that sense, in that don't hide your talent under a bushel. But you, yeah, you're given the gifts to distribute to others. It's not your gift. Mm. It's, it's not just, for your own fulfillment. For you. yeah, yeah, it's for it's society's gift. Mm. Mm. Virginia closes her argument saying it's a ridiculous notion that women need to position themselves in a workplace in order to be valued and earn respect. The unfinished business of feminism, she writes, is demanding respect for women in all their roles. Becky, is it feminism that will purchase respect for women? So you're wondering how feisty I would get over this question. (laughs) (laughs) I think the question is, where has our culture been changed to say, of course women are equal. Of course they have equal value. It's in the Bible. It's how Jesus treated women, which was completely countercultural in that time. And we, we take it for granted that, oh, of course women are equal. And other cultures, people, people who like, don't like the Bible say, oh, you know, every culture has that. They don't, and that's actually arrogant to say other cultures are equally the same because they're actually the same as mine. (laughs) Um, They're actually not, and there are some cultures that say women are less valuable. And, of course, we disagree with that, and some people, especially in the West, have taken biblical values and said everyone has these values, and it's self-evident, and it's not. It's from Jesus. It's from before Jesus came. It was as God spoke into this world, into the scriptures and put that equal value on at the same time, recognizing the uniqueness of women and their unique role in bearing children and the expectations around that. But the helpful thing with the feminist movement is I think they point out real structural issues. And like I said, God really wants us to care for those who are vulnerable those who are strong are to use their strength for others and when women are vulnerable and the older women or single mums or like scripture and our god calls us to care about these issues the issue with feminism is sometimes the solutions are not good (laughs) and virginia's going you know that was the problem when they were like trying to get women to be valued in the workforce they denigrated care at home and so christians were like (laughs) there is unfinished business of christians in addressing these issues for women for children for our family for our society 
But we also value mothers, but not just mothers, but women, whether they have children or not, whether they're married or not, whether, and men, like we value all of them, but we can also say there's particular needs for certain groups. Yeah. And they don't need to demand respect. (laughs) Scripture says they already have worth and respect in the Lord Jesus. When you were talking before about how the value for women, it comes from the Bible, from even before Jesus, and yet the church hasn't got a perfect history in terms of valuing women and giving them these opportunities that Virginia is looking for. How would you respond to that? (laughs) Yeah, defend the church. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would look, if you're dealing with someone who has been hurt by the church, listen to them because they were probably hurt by the church. It's full of sinners. The church is full of sinners. And that's what sin does. It takes God's good work god's good word and twists it and distorts it and it's horrible and so um yeah i won't defend the church i'll defend jesus everyone sins everyone has fallen the church has done good things and the church has done bad things and we don't need to hide that because we have the lord jesus and we don't need to hide him and we go yeah he forgave people even like us and he's quite clear on what is good and what is bad so do you think the business of feminism will actually ever be finished? No, because there will always be problems in in the systems and in our hearts because of sin. Because it won't be finished until Jesus returns in Philippians 1.6 and he completes in us, which is removes our sin, um, that we stop desiring wrong things and bad things and not his ways like when we stop sinning against each other that'll be great and then then the business of feminism will be complete but we do have a blueprint for what that looks like so we don't give up we don't give up now because we're pointing people to jesus along the way and saying he will finish this so that's not a that's not a give up but it's not the business of feminism it's it's the business of christians being zealous for good works for the glory of god Okay, you've reached the part of Eve Reloaded where Becky and Chen Yu look at one of the Bluey episodes and figure out how it fits into the topic we've been talking about. So we went back through a couple of seasons and we were trading off episodes and we came across the episode titled Driving in Season 3. And in it, Chili's kind of talking on the phone to maybe a colleague, maybe an elderly relative, trying to do some work it sounds like and she's also being pulled by Bluey to play a driving game I related to this so hard when watching it especially it gave me a lockdown vibe <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> just trying to be everywhere at once answer everything at once yeah what did you think oh yeah it was it was so much the mum juggle I think it was quite interesting when I was trying to find out, oh, where's the episodes about Chili working? I know she works part-time. Um, there's whole Reddit threads to <laughs> this when I was on a deep dive. So I found out that Chili works in airport security. What? <laughs> but that's never revealed in the episodes. It's on the official blue website oh. <laughs> then i'm like oh it's funny because it's a dog job oh yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> and then i was like oh and like uh bandit i don't know, I, I think this discussion whether he's a paleontologist or an 
archaeologist i think he's an archaeologist but like digging up birds i was just like oh bluey <laughs> multiple levels I, this is why i love you so much um that that's why it could be work, but it could be just it's the whole juggling thing and when if you're when you're working then that juggle is definitely intense which is really captured by that but i did love it like like when she's looking at they're going looking at her phone and going oh but there's my child and i want to spend time with you and everything um i think it was great i also love bluey for the way that they have games and we just copy them mm-hmm. exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fun game yeah i'll just adopt that one have you played that game yet no <laughs> chili goes to play puts aside five minutes and concentrates on playing with uh, bluey a car game where bluey is sitting in her lap like chili is the car and her feet are like the pedals and then she's doing stuff like moving her arms to be windscreen wipers and moving left and right and there's lots of giggles like it's you know I just love it it does capture the joy of playing with your child and giving them your full attention for a Mm. period of time I remember in the episode chili sort of says to bluey I driving around the block doesn't really capture my imagination or something to that effect you know I need to have a purpose I need to be helping someone what do you think of that uh I resonated with that but then you know how we were talking earlier about okay if you find the game boring make it better but actually instead of the mum doing that Bluey manages to do that where she goes okay I'll create a scenario where there's the the angry customer who says get me almond milk or I'll pee on your curtains and they're like okay we need to go to the shops so I think that's a good model for okay let's make it more stimulating let's make it fun for both of you I I think we actually need to learn how to play well I need to learn how to play for some people it becomes for some people it's just easy and you got to recognize that like accounting is really easy for me it's really <laughs> and, and I'm like I don't expect everyone to just naturally be good at accounting and so if you're naturally good at playing with children not everyone is <laughs> so that's one of the things I've had to do is learning how to play well mm, I really liked how she brought it up with Bluey like I think when I'm playing with my kids if I kind of tap out or zone out I don't explain that to them I don't say oh this isn't fun for me because of this or that or I don't explain how it could be better for me Mm. I just kind of think it's my job to sort of suck it up or go along with it yeah yeah I, I like that that that's a helpful thing and also that she committed to that five minutes completely In an article that was written by Harriet Connor on the Gospel Coalition, she wrote this, your child doesn't need your attention all of the time, but needs all of your attention some of the time. Because we're trying to train them for the outside world. The world doesn't revolve around them, but the world revolves around God. (laughs) But he has given them to us to love and care for. So it's, it's both saying you're not the center of the world, but I love you very much and I'll make some time for you. So I thought that was, yeah, that was helpful for me going, okay, learning how to play well with our children is just part of learning how to relate to them in their language. It's a good work to do. Did you have any thoughts on the part-time jobness of the episode the interesting thing about bluey is it is and i was reading something talking about the different um, parenting styles of each generation and bluey is basically millennial parenting style and millennial values of that which is you've kind of got we want both mothering and fathering and being there for our kids and being connected with them but also moms can go back to work so all of those values I don't know because I'm a millennial and I do value those things. Like I, I do value that 
my husband can do that. Yeah, I don't know. And there's so much guilt, like, when you go back to work. So I think a lot of millennial mums, like, it actually reflects all that whole balance of this is my emotions. Is it a good thing or not? I think I'm processing as a Christian, there's freedom. The decisions I have made have been good for my family and serve them. And it's hard because people, especially from other generations, that's not how they would have done that. So there's some pressure there. There's always pressure, whatever you do, to stay home or to go. Like if I think Virginia talked about failing the sisterhood, which I don't think is as much in Christian circles. But if you're not in Christian circles, then staying at home is is less accepted. Um, but sometimes in Christian circles going away <laughs> is less accepted. So that's tricky if you're in both worlds, which we should be. We should be. Like Christians should be out in the world, which means that non-Christians should have some Christians in their life. Um, and so that's just a tension. Yeah, just the split focus that you can see was just so relatable. <laughs> like you were saying about millennial values, like I hadn't noticed that before. But yeah, I do really enjoy seeing that family reflected back to me because it seems so much like my family, you know. Um, I've got two little girls, roughly the same <laughs> age, <laughs> and they do laugh like that. <laughs> I think there was one in the well watching episode where like Chili was lying on the couch. I was like... Is she pregnant? Is she tired? Is she gonna have three? Then she'll reflect my she'll reflect, reflect my family better because I think there was um <laughs> chili needs to be all things to all women. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Eve Reloaded Podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, we would love to hear your feedback. You can email Eve Reloaded Podcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. We've got a group search Eve Reloaded Podcast. Until next time, which may not be another six months or it may be. <laughs> Depending on my It's crazy times. <laughs> we live in an uncertain world. We hope to see you next time. Bye. Bye.